Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs Podcast. The audio experience for basketball officials. Serve the game. And we ended up handing it to the wrong team at a crucial point in the game. And so even when it's not somebody calling our partner bad, in a moment like that, I wish that I had practiced my crew chiefing skills to say, hey, I can't sit back on this one. Like, I need to step up and be there for my partners. Hope everybody's having a good summer. I'm sure you guys are kind of paying attention to the content I'm putting out on TikTok and all that stuff. And some great things are happening, but I just want to let you guys know that the best chapter of what we have going on is is having you guys a part of this team. You know, it's the most proud uh, that it makes me. And um, I love seeing you guys getting together during camps. And just I can't thank you enough for the camaraderie and the cohesiveness that you guys are are demonstrating within Discord. You know, I've, I've obviously spoken to each and every one of you about it and guys have really just followed along beautifully so thank you for enhancing everything we got going on um me and ashley were supposed to jam on this topic probably a month or two ago uh, i asked her to grab some questions from social um i weeded out a couple of them there was about 13 of them um as time went on i realized they weren't as relevant but i think the four we got today will create some good conversations um, and then if anybody else has questions um, or separate topics, feel free um, to, to post it, you know, or in the chat or unmute. And, and then we'll look at that play that Miles put today. I think that's a good play to look at, you know, the uh, block charge play. Um, and if anybody has any other plays that they want to share, that'd be great. But we'll go to about 615 tonight. Um, Ashley, do you have the list I sent you? Cool. You want to just read the first one? I'll give my answer, and then anybody else can chime in and add to the thread. So the first one says, how should a coach respond to an official when every response to a question is, it's not my call? Yet the ref making the call won't give me any information on how I should correct my player to avoid what was happening. So instead of answering this like directly to the coach, if, if I would have uh, on social, let's just keep it from a ref's perspective. What do you guys, I mean, what do we think of that, that answer? That's, we talk about some lines that we should just not say. So everybody exclude that's not my call from your repertoire. That will never go over well. It's just like somebody saying, oh, that's not my job. Like even off a of basketball court. When we hear that in, in business or any industry you're working, never produces a good result. Um, so that's just something we should eliminate. That's not my call. What was the second part of that, Ashley? Uh, yet the ref making the call won't give me any information on how, how I should correct my player to avoid what was happening. So there's a coach thinking that we are obligated to provide them information to help their players stay out of foul trouble. If they ask a specific question um, about it, then we can kind of answer that. But it's not our job. <laughs> I just said it's not our job. Let me let me rewind that. It's, it's uh, not part of our obligation to give them advice on like how to stay out of foul trouble. So. You know, I don't know what was going on in this game. Obviously, we want to be approachable. And if a coach is asking a legit question at the right time with the right tone, then we're going to answer that 100% of the time. Like, we're here to answer questions. And remember what I said about um, uh, and, excuse me, asking a question versus questioning a call. We're talking about asking a question here, not questioning a call. So if they're asking respectfully, then we want to get over to them and, and then create that dialogue. Right. But we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're not trying to diagnose what the defense is doing wrong. We're simply here to speak one possession at a time, one play at a time, specifically about that play and just answer it with a rule based human like response. Anybody have anything to add to um, this topic with with how we should respond to the coach with what Ashley said? Hey, Paul, it's John. Um, as part of this, part of the, the second part of this was your partner was not giving adequate responses to him or unwilling to speak to the coach. So the second part says, yet the ref making the call won't give me any information on how I should correct my player 
to avoid what was happening. I mean, depending on crew dynamics, I may say it might be worth at a timeout or, or a dead ball situation where you have time with your partner to just say it, it's important that we address the coach so this doesn't get, you know, get worse and puts you in a bad position where you have to try to justify a call that your partner had made. So I think it's something maybe with crew dynamics, pre-game even this, try to avoid this is be able to, if a coach has a conversation with you and a, and a respectable question that you and your partner need to answer those things. And then if they're saying it, if the coach is saying that to us about our partner, you know, we have those stock responses like, Hey coach, I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to give a response to my partner's call because uh, I don't want them to speak about my calls. And, you know, I don't love the, he'll be over to talk to you at the next dead ball. Like, let's not be so quick to throw that out. Let's try to deal with that situation. And that's part of being a good partner is willing to go through a little bit of that friction when they're speaking about our partner and not just immediately handing it off to our partners. Having that strength to do everything you can by yourself if you can. When you need help, that's what our crew is there for. But like handle every situation that you can possibly handle. You know, what do you got next, Ashley? How do you deal with a partner who's just very bad? So there's obviously this is this is shows you the mindset of the referee that asked this question. And I know in this group, we don't speak like that, even though we may have thought it. We've all thought it right. Um, but hopefully in 2022, July 2022, that's not where our mindset is to uh, let's say you're working any game, whether whether it's a rec game, men's league game, or during the season, you should not be saying to yourself, "Oh my, that, he's bad, she's bad," like oh, I'm in for a long night. Don't even have that mindset. And and one of the pillars that I want you to deploy to, in order to avoid this mindset is don't judge your partners, don't judge yourself, don't judge your partners during the game. As hard as that can be, sometimes. Just we're over judgmental. When if I'm looking at Carmela's call four or five times and then I'm making a judgment about her, I think I could be doing more with my primary. I think I could be handling my business more. I'm starting to lose focus of what my goal is. Of course, we're a team, but that's just not something we should be thinking. So hopefully, we're at a point in our in our career in our lives that you know you always hear me talk about kindness as a superpower. So saying, oh, he's so bad, that's not being kind. It's very simple life traits that we can pull from off the court into the game. You know, um, has anybody had an experience recently where they said, wow, my, my partner's not very good? And if so, how did you deal with it? Anybody like to hey. share? Hey, Paul. Uh, who's on mute? Aston, how you doing, man? Good to see you. Good to hear you. Hey. Hey man, how you doing? I'm sorry, I'm driving, but I I, I seen the I seen the seen your post earlier, and a couple of them questions came about this past weekend. I I was asked to go do this uh, this girls tournament in New Orleans uh, this uh, Sunday and Monday, and this question this 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 topic right here was. Uh, Something that came up uh, Monday, Monday morning. So it was a it was a big tournament they have every year in New Orleans. Teams from all over, uh, girls. So I don't know who I'm refereeing with, but I'm 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 going. Well, I get there and I'm with this older guy, and uh, me and him started talking before the first game. We started talking, met him, you know. How you doing? You know, this and that and the other. And started the first game. So the first game we started, we, we doing our thing. And one of the coaches never, like, I I didn't go, I didn't referee, but this one day. So none of these coaches seen me. Well, this one coach <laughs> said at a uh, shooting free throws, and he was like, hey, he was like, you, you know, your partner's bad. And my, my, like, it's nine o'clock in the morning. My first thing in my mind is like, what, like, what is he talking about? 
like, and then he said it again, and I looked at him, I was like, um, that's your opinion, but I think we're doing a good job. So they shot the free throws, we went down. So I come back again, and he says it again, and I was like, what? Now, don't get me wrong, he's an older guy, he wasn't hustling like I was, like he wasn't doing, I guess, enough for this coach. So I knew I had to I had to do something to try to get him to to stop mentioning that. And it wasn't like he was bad, but he wasn't he wasn't giving his all, and you could see that. So my thing was, I'm gonna tell the coach, like coach, he's he's doing the best he can, you know. Like I, I got it, you know, I got his back. Like he got mine, I got his. That's how I handled it. But it was like when you when you posted that earlier, it was like, wow, I just went through that Monday. <laughs> but I, I I thought I did a good job of just like deflecting that off of him and like, look, we're gonna we're gonna take care of. It. So the game went good and everything, but you could you could tell the coach didn't like my partner because he wasn't wasn't giving his all you know what I mean so 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 I appreciate you sharing that thanks for thanks for the topic so this is why I continuously promote our rapid responses series because we've handled we've spoken about how to respond immediately to when they criticize your partners it's a stock built-in response that is 100% of the time going to work. And this way you don't have to do with the back and forth. And your first reaction was a reaction. It wasn't a response. You scratched your head. You said, what? How could he say that? No, 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 no. Don't even go down that road. How I'm handling this immediately. Paul, Paul, Ashley's bad. Whoa, 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 coach, coach. With all due respect, I would never speak negatively about your assistant coaches or players. Please have the same respect for my crew. Is that fair? Done. It's over. Correct. I'm telling you, I've used it so many times. I've never failed with that response. Raise your hand or, or, or please someone, you know, um, share their experience. Have, have you used this response when they speak negatively about a coach they're speak, excuse me, when they speak negatively our, about our partners, we have an opportunity to then reverse that conversation and do the exact same thing they're doing, except in a more positive way. Actually, it's not the exact same thing. You're just referencing one of their teammates, one of their partners, but you're bigging them up and you're showing respect by using the I would never language. Started off with coach, I would never. And then you fill in the blanks based on that conversation based on what the coach said. Carmela, I know you've used that response before. Have you ever gotten pushback from that response? No. I mean, either they stay quiet, walk away, or they just give me a nod, like um, not say anything. I mean, it's fair enough. So it's it's been, it's worked well. Yeah, so I need everybody to really put this in your tool belt. And just use it every time you're going to hear something negative about your partners. And you will. You'll hear it again. One of this, one of this, this situation will happen to somebody tomorrow or this week. And instead of scratching your head and saying and wondering why he would say that, which is a waste of time. Now you have tactical stuff that you can insert right into there and totally from a respectful and a professional point of view check them and he's he's probably going to apologize i like the responses that we give where the coaches apologize i think that's pretty effective you know so this way if he says it again it's either a warning or or a technical foul based on the temperature of that game based on his tone right i don't want to say there's an absolute every time bad is something Bad is not nearly as bad as terrible, awful, or horrible. I know you, how you guys um, know how I feel about those words. So uh, does that help, Aston? You think you can apply this next time? Oh, yes. Will do. Let me hear how you would say it. 
Aston, Aston, Jake is bad. Coach, coach, hold on, coach. I would never talk to about one of your assistant coaches. Like you're talking about my, my partner. And then you got to finish it. Please. Courtesy, kindness. Please have the... Uh, Please have the same respect for my crew. And then you can pose it with a question. Is that fair? That's an obvious answer. Yes, we know it's fair. So we're making them give the answer that we want. Hence, controlling the dialogue, running the conversation. Gotcha. So finish and I got the, and I, and I got the rapid response. I printed them out. <laughs> you say you'll print them out? I say I printed them out already. I just need to do yeah, the Google Drive uh, document isn't as specific and isn't as lengthy as the audio episode. So, I, like I said, I would recur- encourage you to to go back onto Patreon. All eight episodes are on Patreon, and we'll do rapid responses in August again because these are all recurring sessions that we do. Um, and we're going to probably use that coach's uh, YouTube link because uh, I don't know if everybody was at the last rapid responses. We used um, a coach who was mic'd up who was just feeding us great kind of um, – in-game uh, content that we could like simulate for our purposes. So we'll do that again in August. And uh, let's see, Carmela has something through the chat. Sorry, I missed a couple things through the chat. Yeah. Um, it was just Jake. I didn't know if he could talk, so that's why I wrote back to him. Okay. <laughs> you were really hey, good. Paul, I got I got a little quick one to add just from yes. a crew chiefing perspective. Thank you. Go ahead. Oh, can you guys hear me? Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I was at a camp and, um, you know, we're, we're trying out, it's a hiring camp and I get partnered with somebody that I've worked with before. And I just, I know that going in, I'm like, man, I, I have that negative mindset. And, um, it wasn't until the game had ended where I just decided I got to change that mindset. I, I have a partner that I'm not fond of working with. And instead of controlling the game, knowing in the areas this person lacked, I sat back and I just focused on my game and where I was supposed to be. And we ended up missing a huge call. Uh, Ball goes out of bounds for one team. And we ended up handing it to the wrong team at a crucial point in the game. And so even when it's not somebody calling our partner bad, in a moment like that, I wish that I had practice my crew chiefing skills to say, Hey, I can't sit back on this one. Like I need to step up and be there for my partners, good or bad. So it was just one of those, like going forward, I don't care if my partner is great or is terrible. I just got to be a good crew chief all the time and stay connected to the, to the game, like the entire time. Yeah. Very well said. Thanks for sharing that. And now we're getting into a little bit different of a topic is those step up moments. And like you said, crew chief behavior. So um, little, you know, different than just having that mindset. Oh, my partner's bad. You can say, oh, my partner may lack in this area, which you did. That's self-awareness, knowing the strength of the crew, which allowed you and propelled you to step up in that moment or not step up, but just knowing. And, and that's one of the harder parts of the game is knowing when to really come out of your secondary. Right. But I just put a post up about crew savers. Everybody will thank you after you come in with a crew saving call. So there's a real talent and a skill to knowing when to do that. Um, But yeah, just lacking that judgment and lacking that negative mindset is going to only hold you back. But so I like how you played that, Jen. You know, mentally. All right. Yeah, shifts it going forward, that's for sure. Um, I want to just say hello real quick, introduce Portia. Hey, Portia, how you doing? What's going on, Paul? How you doing? Doing well. I got a chance to meet Portia at uh, Rogers Camp. Um, she joined after that, so it's the first Zoom she's been on, so I wanted to make sure I introduce, introduce you to everybody. Welcome to the family. Thank you. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Ashley, what do you got third? Your thoughts on refs blowing a whistle on a foul late just because a guy misses the shot. Yeah, so this is that one of those unwritten rules. Like, um, listen, start, develop, finish. 
decide. And, and some plays just take longer than others. Some plays we have an immediate whistle. Some plays it happens in the middle. Some plays it happens at the end, the very, very end. Some, play, some plays we just need to see what that layup did, how that offensive player was able to shoot it. And sometimes when the shot goes off, that can be a detail and a cue on maybe it being a legal contact, right? But you got to be careful with this one, right? You, you, can't, you can't come with too late of a whistle. Uh, how many of you have came with just too late of a whistle where, yeah, it might have been a foul, but you waited for the shot to ricochet off. Somebody's ha- about to grab a rebound and then you just come with a foul. That, that's not what we want to do. You're going to get a lot of pushback from that. You know, so there's a, basically a duration of time. Sal said you're guilty. Sal, did you do that recently? Um, no, I haven't done it recently, uh, but I have been um, called out to be way too patient as far as the actual finish of the play. So I've kind of done, tried to do my best as far as trying to do my self-talk and making a, uh, you know, a call at the finish uh, or at the decision stage and not past that. So start, develop, finish, right. And then decision. Um, and so making a, obviously a call at the decision phase versus past that stage and kind of like what I call the point of no return, right, type deal. And this is that feel for the game play. You're just that last second of when the shot goes up, you take a quick snapshot of, you know, the the, the ball in the rim or, or in the basket or rolling around, popping out, and then you just, you just make that decision. It's not something we do a lot, but some plays we just need a little bit more time to do that because – you know, we try to avoid game interrupters, and I don't want to frown on N1s. We can't, we, we can't be emotional about any calls from three seconds, you know, to N1s. It's in the rule book. We just got to call the rules as written. You hear a lot of reps, I'm not calling three seconds. That's old school thinking. You know, um, you hear refs, they get emotional about rule changes. Oh, I wish this rule was adapt, adapt in real time. No one cares. No one cares you don't like the rule. They don't. They don't. The game doesn't care about your opinion. So, um, so yeah, not to frown on cheap N1s, but there's definitely times where I know we've all had cheap N1s and we're like, the game doesn't need that. However, if, if, uh, if uh, A1 gets fouled and makes the bucket, we're scoring it. You know? So just finding that line, this is a feel for the game. And just being patient, having that pain tolerance to be able to withstand incidental contact. Um, and, you know, I think, I think when we can be invisible and let the game flow as much as possible, although we don't necessarily impact or dictate the flow. We can with game interrupters, right? But for the most part, that's just players and coaches. They're dictating the pace. I know a lot of officials are like, oh, we got no flow. A lot of this is out of your control. Stop judging yourself. Stop judging your partners. Just let the plays come to you. Be 100% when you blow the whistle. Anything, uh, anybody else have anything to add about this discussion of cheap N1s, uh, letting plays start, develop, finish, decide, and um, waiting to see if the ball is missed before calling a foul? Hey, Paul, uh, it's John Swarmer again. Um, I was at a camp this weekend, and I thought this was really um, – an astute comment that the assigner made to us. I think we could all take from this and it's right with this conversation, but he mentioned just, we talk about possession consequence and that, and that term, but he mentioned whistle consequence and, and just what your whistle may do to a big that maybe gets a second foul inside seven, eight minutes in a game or something on a play that a kid is maybe going to make that, that layup or whatever anyway. So just having that, like you mentioned, pain tolerance and that of patience to see if that ball goes through before you put a foul on a kid is extremely important and how much our whistle has an impact on plays like that and how, how coaches have to strategize going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. Anybody have anything else to add to that? All right, Ashley, you got uh, question number four there. Oh, sorry. Sal, go ahead. Or maybe that was an old hand. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I, w- I was just going to just add as far as the actual 
um, you know, so to speak, late whistle into the game as far as, you know, whether it's an N1 or, you know, if the basket goes and or whatnot. There was a comment that was made um, to me during the camp season from one of the clinicians that basically said, hey, you know, are we, is that how we're going to officiate the games as far as, you know, whether or not a basket goes in, you know, goes in or not. And I thought that was kind of interesting because at the end of the day, you know, obviously we try to work on patience and, and really trying to have a patient whistle on any play, whether or not it's a drive to the basket, you know, um, a jump shot, whatever the case is at this point in time. But what I would probably say is that if we, if we do get into the, to the gray area of putting a late whistle after the decision factor, um, one of the things that's worked for me in the past is basically just a short saying, coach, but for that foul, right? But for that foul, I wouldn't have put air in the whistle type, type deal, right? To kind of, to kind of have that, that interaction with a coach. Um, now, I wouldn't say I w- it's something that I utilize all the time, but it's something where I kind of get myself in this position, talking to the coach and say, hey, you know, we always talk about authenticity, right? Being organic as far as talking with the coaches, as far as that situation. Um, I, I, that's what's worked for me in the past. It hasn't really gotten me into trouble, but I also don't utilize it a lot as far as that situation. So that's all I want to say about it. Good, good. So I would just replace foul with the word contact because it's not a foul because you didn't call it. So don't label it a foul, right? Okay. Label it contact. Oh, coach, but for that contact, I thought it was incidental. I didn't think it was illegal. It's just it's just going to keep you out of trouble because he may react. Call the what's he going to say for that foul? But call the foul. Yeah, all heard it. So we're giving them language there that they can then play offense on us, which we don't want. Gotcha. Right. We're opening the door a little bit wider. I know it may have worked for you because I can understand it, the transparency aspect of it and authenticity. Cool. But let's not label it what it's not. If it's a foul, then it's a foul. Then we can say, oh, on that foul, if we're talking about a play where we call the foul, then we could use the foul terminology. If we're no calling the play, we can use the contact terminology because it's a contact sport. And there's two types of contact, incidental and illegal. Oh, yeah. So just so I wanted to clarify, I was I, I utilized that based on a, on a gray area on past, you know, usually where we would call like a foul situation. So on that particular play... That's when I utilize, hey, you know what, but for that foul, that's the reason why I came in. Again, that's one of those, like, when you get to the gray area situation where you're just like, for some reason, maybe you gave your partner, you know, every opportunity to make that particular call and you come in extremely, extremely late, right? Um, Or what we call maybe like a crew saving call because certainly there was a foul. That That's one of those things that, I would, that I've utilized. I know it's more verbose than we're usually accustomed to as far as like, giving them two or three lines as on that end of it. But um, that's something that I've, I've used before, like I said, in the past, as far as, you know, explain to the coach what happened during that particular play. So, And this is a gray area discussion, right? There's no cheap end ones in the rule book. It's just not language, right? It's stuff that we've added. This isn't a black and white discussion. So the larger area area of the game is that gray area you know and it just takes repetition it takes experience to be able to best adjudicate these type of plays and situations i appreciate you adding that sal um just one more point what you said you said i um they say i'm too patient i've never really seen a ref that's too patient that may go into the category of just lacking urgency and not stepping up but i would say be as patient as you can possibly be Especially like in in the lead when plays are coming to you at the rim. You know, I've never really seen a ref who's too patient. It would just become like lazy or not urgent or lacking that step up uh, moment or that capability. Does that make sense, though? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's just something that was said to me um, in the past as far as like, hey, you know, I understand you're trying to be patient on the actual play, but that was either you weren't engaged as engaged as you should be, or it just, it surprised you or, or something happened in that particular, you know, situation where you just, you came in 
a lot later than than you you would right or and again that's how these guys like yeah yeah that was way way too patient or you were just too far at that point where it would affect the next play so just don't put whistles in the game as far as at least that delayed um if it doesn't need to be right yeah 100 percent, absolutely um, I want to pull up a Discord conversation that Sally Scribner recently posted. I thought we had a very good interaction and thread about partnering. I'm just trying to pull it up if anybody uh, can find it or beat me to it. It was when she worked with a... Uh... Oh, okay, cool. I got it. It's kind of on the topic of not judging our partners. So let's. I'll read this and then anybody uh, can share about their thoughts how they would deal with it or how she did. At camp this weekend, I had a weird experience in my last game of the last day of camp. Our crew was supposed to have the last two games, uh, but we had a forfeit. The next two um, was the consolation game. My partner wanted our crew to work the second half of the consolation game since our semifinal game got canceled. The crew in the game was good with that, but the uh, admin director didn't want it so that he called the coordinator and took that plan away. Everybody was okay with that except the one partner that I wanted to work the game with, uh, the one partner that wanted to work the game. He kind of threw a fit and started to argue with the admin director. Okay, that'd probably be a no-no. Don't argue with your bosses. Uh, I separated myself because I thought it was unnecessary. That's a good move, just removing yourself and detaching from that situation. The upset partner afterwards assured me that he would be calmer for the final game. He seemed bothered that I was unbothered. That's a great line. Somebody that that's like misery loving company right there, right? Somebody's mad, they want you to be mad. We can't let anybody else impact our emotional state. I gently replied to that, we should focus on controlling what we sh- we can control and not let anyone or anything mess up our good energy and mindset for game time. I love that, Sally. He seemed to calm down and went ahead with the toss. The first quarter I could just tell with his body language and the quick whistles that his mindset wasn't right yet after some talks through timeouts and quarter endings he was much better in the second half i'm so glad i did my yoga stretch breathing exercises and meditation prior to this event it kept me calm collected focused and was able to talk my partner down from his rage ouch it's important to arrive uh, mentally prepared for anything i thought this is a really good post by her i'm sure we've all dealt with similar situations like that I always default to our pillars of kindness, respect for everybody, being a great partner for everybody, being the bigger person in every situation, um, and not like stooping down or up to our partner's levels. And it seemed like this partner probably needed a little bit of coaching, probably needed a little bit of de-escalation, right? So it looked like Sally had provided that. And it's just important that, and I love that Sally didn't didn't let it affect her. Because we've all been in situations where we let it affect us. Like, oh, my partner's just in a, in a mood today. And then you just start thinking about it. And then you kind of attach to that mood, right? So always being the bigger person, the partner here obviously needed a little help. So I love that she inserted herself, um, you know, and gave the right mindset. Anybody, uh, how would you have dealt with this situation? Anything to add on top of this thread? Just dealing with partners that are not in a good mood. How would you you have handled the situation? Anyone? I guess for me, I just I just try not to let stuff like get to me, because I mean, if you have like if you're already having a bad day and then you go into a game, if a coach says something to you, I mean, you're going to automatically be like already upset. So I just try not to let it affect me. Like if if my co-officials like having like a bad day, because then it's going to look it's going to show up on the court as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this just gets down to controlling what you can control. It's such a simple term, but I think we can always revert back to it. 
and and use it in all these type of situations. You know, what, what she could control was her mindset and then how she offered up help to being a great partner, just supporting our partners and just trying to bring them up, pumping that positivity too. This is why I always talk about having a positive attitude 100% of the time. This is also why I talk about gratitude, like be grateful we even get to work. Be grateful you get paid to, to referee. We can handle this situation. You're happy you're alive. I know it sounds like, oh, you're getting all macro on me. No, that's really the right answer. You can start thinking about these things and have them in your mind when times get stressful. It gets so much easier to deal with these type of situations. Tell a joke. Loosen them up. I would ask, did Sally ask how her partner's family was, too, to start the conversation? You know, that's worked 100% of the time. It's such a great relationship builder. I had somebody respond to me today. Um, on that post and they said yeah but Paul it's weird to ask somebody you don't know about their family and I said I'm sorry you thought it was weird Bob but maybe you need to step outside your comfort zone a little bit to me that's not weird weird is just something that's in your head you're making it weird you know uh, it starts with family like if you can tap into that somebody's going to really respect you over it and it's going to be easier to work with you. Maybe that stress wouldn't have happened. Sal, you have your hand up or is that a, a hand from last time? Yeah, I had my hand up. I mean, what's worked before in the past for me, I mean, I, I've worked before in the past with other people who were, um, you know, us coming up as, as crew chief, as, as, you know, obviously already coming into the game, already high strong, high stress in that type of situation. Um, and what's worked for me is basically just ask them what I could do to help them out as far as, assisting them you know is there anything we can work i mean just kind of encouraging them as saying hey you know i think this is going to be you know we're really looking forward to working with you you know um you know is there anything i can do to help you out as far as you know you know game management or what what do you need for me i mean anything that i can do to try to to help the crew a little bit better um just just a little bit of small talk because sometimes i think all of us have kind of been in that particular situation. Maybe for some reason you, you anticipate to arrive at the game, maybe a lot, you know, earlier than you had anticipated and things happen. And now you're having to rush, you know, and ultimately get into the locker room and get dressed. And now you're, you're stressed from, from having to deal with whatever you're dealing with from the outside and coming into the mindset of just like, now I have to referee, but your mindset isn't into refereeing the game. It's into something else. Um, So maybe just taking, you know, so, What's worked for me in the past is just basically just saying a little bit of encouraging and say, hey, I got you. If there's anything you need from me tonight, you know, let's let's do our best to kind of work together and that type of deal. Just a little bit of that sometimes just kind of gets another person a little bit more motivated or maybe in a different mindset saying, you know what, what I had to deal with before isn't as bad as what I'm dealing with now. Let's go out there and have a good time and let's do our job to the best of our ability. So. Yeah, that's great partnering, Sal. That's great language you're using, too. Do you remember any specific instances where you said that, and how did your your partner respond to that uh, during the rest of the game? Yeah, I mean, it was just it was just kind of really in the beginning of the game because, you know, obviously one of the things he wanted us to do is to kind of do a collective pregame situation. And so um, he broke it down as to each respective area. It's like, hey, what are you looking for as a trail? What are you looking for as a center? What are you looking for as a lead situation? Um, and then, so I just started saying, Hey, look, you know, I, I got a list of, of this, you know, I wrote down some things here for us to kind of discuss. And, um, you know, if there's any, you know, this is what I'm looking at. Like, what are you thinking? So, so it got him and it got my crew chief into a different mindset saying, Hey, I just dealt with a bunch of crap from outside or whatever I was dealing with before this. Now it's time to get back into the situation. I'm actually thinking about the game, what we're about to do and to cohesively try to work together as best of our ability. So, that's kind of the only specifics I can think of in that particular situation I can remember. Um, and it just kind of changed his mindset saying, okay, now I'm, now I can leave everything at the door and now I can focus on, on actually officiating the game and working with my partners to try to see what we can do to try to, you know, do a good job or to the best of our ability. Right. So. Excellent stuff, Sal. Appreciate you sharing all that, man. You're, you're spot on. Carmela, can we see the screen? Yeah, you're good. I can see it. All right, cool. So, you know, this is an interesting play. And, and my response was I, I wanted to pose the question, is this absorbing contact? 
because has first of all has anybody and I've never I've actually never seen this play in my games where a defender turns and like legally braces for impact and absorbs the contact for a charge has anybody ever had a play like that I don't think it's that common for defenders to know I don't think they think it's legal um and I've I've really I've seen you know, thousands and thousands of plays. I can't remember one where, uh, you know, I called a charge and then I used the, the um, explanation, oh, the, the defender is absorbing contact. It's just very um, abnormal. That being said, let's take a look at this play. First thing we're doing, let's just rewind before we get into the play calling aspect. And I know, Jen, this is something that you wanted to pick up on, right, is, is getting your eyes to that last defender. Obviously, we're, we're a little vulnerable here with our court coverage. The lead is, is trailing the play. But the lead, it looks like he's watching the ball handler across the court. <clears throat> lead should be locked into this defender because this is the only defender that's going to hurt him there. Same thing with the center. You know, that's really the only thing we're watching. And in a transitional play, <clears throat> you know, use that kind of cue. Get your eyes to that last defender immediately. As you turn and run up the court, you get your footing down for that one to two seconds, and then immediately your eyes are trying to find that, that defender who's going to be involved in the play. And we want to certify the legality of the defender before the contact happens. And you do that through self-talk. Legal, 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 legal. Illegal? What do we think about this as a, is this absorbing contact or is this illegal contact? Someone unmute and let us know their opinion. I'd say absorbing. I mean, he was. I'd say absorbing. He's been, he was legal, you know, and then as the, shooter goes up yes he kind of turns a little but in by rule that's legal to absorb the contact you know it's not like he i didn't see his feet move at all he was in legal guarding position two feet on the playing court chest towards the uh, airborne shooter or towards the ball handler and i think he just absorbed the contact anyone else I would say I would say the same thing initially at this point as far as and that's just I'm one of the first ones that commented on this particular play. And I know like on the chat as far as like we had like a difference in opinion as far as you know the processing of the play and, and what others thought, right? It's a bang bang play, right? I mean if you're if you're not looking at the right spot, I would I could see how it could go either way as far as that whole ordeal. But if we're looking at as the rule is written. And an application of the rule, I would say it's a player control foul. But then my question becomes at this point, after watching it a few different times, does his actual, you know, did the actual player go to and through? And it, did his falling motion, is that a natural fall? Like his, his, you know, usually when you go to and through, it's either your hands are either going to go up and, and you're going to land on directly on your back. But in this particular situation, since he's absorbing the contact, it would be okay for him to to land the way that he did. If you look at his hands and the way he lands, it, you know that's one of those things to me. It, it it looks fairly natural, but it could be questioned as far as like if you're calling it in real time, how it could potentially be a blocking foul. But that's that's my two cents. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Anyone else want to share? I'd love to hear more opinions on this. I know sometimes these things look ugly, but just because they're ugly doesn't make them not legal. And I would say it's a little blurry for me, but as long as he's not moving, like once he obtains legal guarding position, as long as he doesn't move forward, but I don't see him doing that here. Good point. But I know sometimes we referee on the ugliness of it. Like, ooh, that looks ugly. It's got to be a block. And good point. And to that point, we don't have, we're stacked here. 
So we really don't know what the defender is doing, meaning is the defender turning for impact and then initiating with the shoulder? Because that wouldn't be legal. So we don't know right here, and it's the still frame. We can't see if the defender's doing that. Does he turn away to avoid, or does he turn into it? So I think it would be a guess, honestly, for a lot of us, based on this film and this angle. Um, his feet did move, I think, Carmella, but I, I think you're, you're allowed to move backwards, right? So the, the feet moving, as long as it's not forward to the side or obliquely on the airborne shooter. You know, honestly, my intuition tells me that Probably 100% of us on the call are going to go block, I think. I really do. I think I would go block. It's nice to have the luxury of rewinding this 100 times. But I think that late turn and just the, um, I don't know if I want to say unathleticness of it. And that's probably not even a word. I don't know. It's just the def- the defender just, it's a little too rapid. It's a little too like rapid and explosive and awkward of a turn. For me, I, I think my gut would say I would go block. Um, but again, if uh, we know we know the rule, you're allowed to absorb the contact. So, but I just I've never really seen this. Might be the only one I've ever seen that is in that category that could potentially just say it's a charge. You're right. It's a it would be a very ugly charge. But like Jen said, just because it's ugly doesn't mean it's not illegal or or a offensive foul there. So it's a tough play, it really is, and there's no right answer. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna ask, you're gonna, you know, we're sharing our opinions and our thoughts, but there's no cheat sheet to. Nobody has the final answer. Like the results of this play, ladies and gentlemen, is a charge, and then we can all categorize it as a charge. It's just based on our own judgment, and the more we look at plays like this, um, the better off we'll be in the game if we ever have it. But I thought it was a really interesting play to look at. Definitely abnormal. Um, and I think you can make a good case for both. Anyone else have anything to add to this? Any other elements of the uh, play we're missing? Obviously the court coverage we spoke about. Who is in the best position to make the call? Let's watch the lead in the center as they're running in transition. Looks like the lead is kind of looking through stacks, calling across the court. He's got the player in white, maybe blocking his vision. He's got the player in blue in the paint, potentially blocking his vision. Um, let's see where the defender originates. What do you guys think? Who's in the better position? Who do you think should have, should have took in this play? I personally feel like the uh, the lead was in the best position to take that uh, just because the C was kind of behind the play because the offender was going up. So he kind of saw hit the back of his jersey. But at the set, like, like you said, Paul, they weren't in the best position to officiate that play. But I just feel like somebody had to put a whistle on it. And so the person that put the whistle on it was was the lead. It looked like he made the, the charge call. But I feel like me personally, the lead was in the best position to make that call because the trail was too far away. He was at half court. Well, not the trail. Now I want you to look at the center here. Three-person game. Okay. Okay, 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 okay. I see, I see. Well, now I have a black screen in front of my uh, – You got a black screen? Yeah. Does everybody else have a blank screen? Well, it's it's not the whole screen's black. It's just like a section of it. Yeah. Um, what can I do on my end to provide? I I don't even know how it appeared. I mean, it's it's. I think it's hidden enough to where. Oh. I had to make a change. I had to do something drastic. Try again. <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> Middle and bigger. Still. Okay. There. Now, yeah. No, you're good. Cool. Does that change anything for you, Portia? Okay. Yeah, I see Buddy running down there. <laughs> <laughs> you see little buddy running down. Yeah, I see buddy coming through there. <laughs> you know, I've I've been in this position a lot in in lead, um, running parallel to a play in transition where you feel like you're looking way across the court, you're looking through players, and I've come to the decision that the center would have the best look on on most of these play types. 
just based on the lead not being on the end line yet, having players in front of you. And, and I never liked that feeling of running on the sideline in lead and then calling across the paint, even towards the opposite block of the paint. When the center, it doesn't have any stack there. He watched the defender originate from probably half court, watched him run all the way back. I thought the center would have been in a great position to make that play too. So just keep that in mind. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Just keep that in mind when you're in lead. There might be something, too, to talk about in your pregame on transition plays. A lot of times lead, uh, excuse me, center has just a much better open look. Um, Let's see. We have three of our own here working a game together. Love it. We got Ryan, uh, Megan, Scott, and Patrick working a camp game together. Looked like we had a little drama at the end. Final seconds. See, this is, see, do you see, though, like, the way the rebound happened, we can tell this is the last play of the game, the, play, the, the game is over. But it's not. So remember to ref till the buzzer, and that's what Patrick or Ryan, whoever posted it, labeled, I think it was ref till the end. Right, so don't get lazy here in this moment. When even though you see players getting lazy and have quit, not all of them have. So stay on your feet and never be surprised or shocked by anything, because this is exactly what will happen when you let your guard down. Okay, Patrick comes racing in, not letting any drama happen on his court. I like it. So, firstly, shouldn't we have killed the shot? Did we see anybody wave it off? No, I, I mean, I heard a whistle, but I didn't see a wave off. <laughs> Nobody waved it off. I just heard a whistle. So just from a play-calling perspective, right, we have to know who has the last shot, and it appears that the buzzer went off before the shot attempt. So, boop, 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 one strong wave off while you're kind of closing in, running down, just for starters, right? Especially if it's a tight game. Now, they probably didn't do it because maybe they lost a little bit of focus. I don't know. If it was a tight game, I'm sure somebody would have had something. But I've just got to be mechanically thorough throughout the entire game. And the reason why I, I like that... um the horn happened before the shot because then the next step is, okay, do we have time left? Now did players come off the bench? Now we got a very difficult uh, situation to handle. I mean, Ryan, Ryan closes down, gets right in between the player, which is great. Um, it looks like he's going after the player. That kind of initiated it. Maybe Okay, and then good. So Ryan went to the red player, which was great. Patrick went to the player in blue, which is great teamwork. Right? Look, we got them both here. We're good. See, in this moment, easy. Guys, enough. We're good. We're good. I love that term, we're good. You're convincing them that everything is fine. It's been a tool that's helped me during dead ball situations like this. So that's something I would add to your tool belt as far as what to say to players when drama is starting to pop off. Assure them we're fine. Now, you're not going to say we're good after a shove or a punch because we're not good then. Um, Megan looks like she took a peek at the benches. You know, maybe a little bit more of an urgency stepping down, using her voice making sure no other players get involved. Like maybe Megan could have then stepped over here to speak to these players to not, you know, amplify the situation is just an idea I have. Anybody, uh, what are your thoughts on this play? How they handled it, what they could have did differently? I like how they handled it, and then the coach came and got his players too instead of, like, getting involved in play. 
And you could, yeah, I like that the coach said that. And you could also communicate to the coach there, help coach, need, I need you, coach, I need you. You know, because he obviously has the, probably has the voice of the players the most. So we need to tap into the coach is a resource there. The coach can be a resource for us during these management situations. I've uh, I've never experienced anything like this, but I would like to think that you know the uh, I'm not sure who is that as the trail coming in. That's Megan. Um, if uh-huh. he could just turn Excuse around me. immediately, I know he wants to get in there and, and stop the players, and I'm sure he does a good job of doing that. But like you said, if Megan or the trail, if he turned around and just said, "Stay on your benches, like just stay right there," um, but. I don't know, maybe he, he ended up stopping something else from happening, but because he's right there in front of those benches, if he could immediately stop in his tracks, turn around and make sure nobody comes out. Just to be a little bit more contextual, and I totally understand what you're saying, I would say if Megan was the one who was on that side and Patrick was running in from the other side, then Megan would have been that person to then apply what you just said 100%. Yeah, What's more Agreed. important? Yeah. Yeah, what's more important there, getting to that altercation right, or right. talking to players that are on their bench at the current moment? Yeah, get involved with the active players first. So we just got to measure what's more important in that moment. So, But I think Megan can maybe handle that from across the court, maybe show a little bit more urgency and walk in that direction, maybe put her hands up to tell the players stay where they are. That could be something to deploy in that moment. But overall, I think they did a nice job. I mean, you know, I'm not a huge fan of running in, but I love running in if you're going to stop an altercation at the end of a game. So this would be that time. And obviously, Patrick showed a great amount of urgency on this play. So kudos to him. Also, Paul, I have a question. So after that whole situation went down, Buddy on the blue team, he just kind of walked through the, the red team while they were trying to de-escalate, would you, as a an, as an official on that game, would you try to make sure that he goes around or kind of guide him back to his appropriate bench, take the appropriate route? You know what I mean? Because I feel like that could have possibly went mm-hmm. left real quick if it was real heated in the moment, you know? Yeah, so you got to get to the most important player first, which would be that player that's reacting. But in that moment, if you see other players walking around you can also use them as a resource like maybe he's the captain hey captain i need help here please talk to 14 hey do me a favor please take care of him i need your help need your help here teammate right just little keywords that's going to connect with him in that moment and also here is where i'm screaming on players i'm using my loud authority voice it's going to be on a hundred and this is me channeling my inner PE teacher, although I don't yell anymore. So maybe it's me channeling the 2015 version of myself. Um, but on the court, during dead balls, when players are about to trash talk or fight, I'm yelling at them like they're my children. <laughs> because you only got like three seconds to make an impact. Right. If you approach it a little too low key in that moment, it might that might not be the de-escalation we need that may give them the leeway to then up the ante and do something extra. So just having that presence, that loud presence, three voices, the authority voice, the normal voice and the de-escalation voice. We're not using the normal voice here. We're not using the de-escalation voice. This is a loud authority voice pointing back to your bench you know using any kind of communication skills in that moment that you think will help you but uh, I think the CR team did a nice job overall there so um, this was great though Uh, really really great session I really appreciate everybody coming I want to stay respectful to the time I know everybody's busy but I think we got a, a solid hour block in here uh, today, um, anybody have any other follow-up questions or any other things they'd like to say before we get out of here? I mean, thank you for having this too. Yes, we're spending our time, but you're also spending your time too. So I appreciate it. Uh, I'm here to support every one of you on a weekly basis. And uh, like I was saying earlier on, you know, I, I, 
obviously we're doing doing a lot of good things publicly with you know the content you're putting out i know the camp camp content is really hitting but uh you guys are my favorite part about what i have going on what we have going on and like i said earlier i can't thank everybody enough for embodying the crown refs culture and um, it's just a, a great way to be it's a great way to interact it's a great way to spend your time with people that share that same passion thank you for listening to the crown refs podcast serve the game